Father, bless your word and help us to just simply, Lord, man, just surround ourselves just like we did with the book of Acts. Father, help us to choose freedom every day through the book of Galatians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So the book of Acts is all about taking action. The book of Galatians is all about choosing freedom every day. Somebody say that with me. Choosing freedom every day. Listen, listen I know it's an hour earlier than what we used to, but you got to talk to me. Are you ready? Let's all say it together. Ready? Choosing freedom every day. Choosing freedom every day. Has anybody ever used one of these before? Ever used one of these before? This megaphone kind of things? Ever used one of these? I know these are kind of old school because, you know, I, I, I only see coaches, you know, kind of using these. But now, you know, microphone system and things. But I grew up with this, okay? I went to youth camp with my camp leader having this and carrying it around everywhere. Those of you who are uh, campers from Mountain View Camp, you guys remember uh, Pastor Jason Tr uh, uh, Rios? You remember him? And uh, hey, hey, now this one doesn't work because it's that old, okay? And I think I'm holding it backwards too. Hey, hey, wake up. And this has a siren. You know, praise God that doesn't work. But this would be playing in our dorms at 6.30 in the morning. Everybody to the, to the blackboard, everybody to the court, to the basketball court. And it was just simply a way to get our attention. And to all of you who remember Mount View Camp, which not a lot of you because I see a lot of new faces, but this was the one that at 10 o'clock, all right, boys, go to your dorm. Girls, go to your dorm. And this will be the one. Irving, let go of Leavette's hand and let her go to the dorm. I remember this. This is a call to get someone's attention. And guess what, church? Galatians is a book. It's a megaphone to get our attention to. There's a lot of megaphone moments in the book of Galatians because Paul, the author of this book, it is he is telling us, guys, choose freedom every single day. Somebody say amen. Church, choose freedom every single day. Now, the book of Galatians is different from any other books because Galatians is not necessarily a church. It's not necessarily a city. Galatians is actually a region. And so we'll see here in his introduction. But he's also very different from other books of the Bible because in this book, Paul gets right into it. He doesn't wait he doesn't usually give his longer greetings like some other chapters. As a matter of fact, there's another chapter that talks about him giving his gre greeting or finalizing his greeting up to chapter 3. But in this case, in the book of Galatians, he has some really, really... The, the region of Galatia is having some really, really difficulty with false doctrines, with a false gospel. And he wants to get right into the point. I love people like that. Anybody love people like that? I love people who just get right into the point. Don't, don't beat it around the bush. Just simply let us tell the truth. Let us speak the truth. Because we know that the truth, help me out, the truth will set us free. 
So you guys ready? Oh, I'm excited. Are you guys ready for it? It's going to be great. All right, so let's begin. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, and the God the Father who raised him from the dead, to all the, and all the brethren who are here with me, to the churches of Galatia. Now, again, last week was a call on action. We're going to get into some meat here this morning. Anybody like a good meal here this morning? We're going to get some meat. It's going to be a lot of information that we are going to be spread, that we're going to be talking about today. So if you're taking notes, this is a great information. Now, let me give you a little bit of background, a little history of the book of Galatia. Many scholars believe, uh, theologians believe that this book was actually written in the 50s. Not the 1950s, in the actual 50s, all right? This is after Christ's death in the early, late 40s, early 50s. So if this was so, then this happens to be read, excuse me, written before Acts chapter 15, which is when Paul was called into the council. So this was before that. So if this is so, then that means that Paul, when he wrote this book, he already was a Christian, a Christ follower for more than 15 years. Because if you remember, he had his God moment on the road to Damascus that changed his life completely. Anyone has had an encounter with Christ that has changed your life completely? Come on, talk to us here this morning. Any of you have had a God moment that changed your life completely? Amen to that. So Paul, he begins his letter by saying, Paul, an apostle. Now, there's an emphasis here on his title, an apostle. These are some strong words that he's about to say. So he wrote this. He wants to make sure that he is, that the churches who are listening to this letter, who are reading this letter, that they understand that this is written by the authority of Jesus Christ, an apostle. See, an apostle, the word apostle that he is used is not just simply someone who is announcing with a megaphone. But instead, an apostle, the, the, the word here is an appointed representative. Come on, somebody say amen. An appointed representative of that official status of the kingdom of God. Now, church, it is 2022. And we got to be careful that we don't just simply follow people who call themselves apostles. That we listen to their message and we just have to be careful. Look at your neighbor and tell them we just have to be careful because anyone can call themselves an apostle. But Paul makes it clear. Paul is calling himself an apostle, but it wasn't from man. It, was, it wasn't through man. It originated from God and it was a direct appointment by God. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Now, Paul is making an emphasis, and before we start thinking, make, you know, kind of Paul is kind of big-headed. No, 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 no. Paul is making this emphasis of his calling not to gain glory by man, not to make money or, or, or have this satisfaction of, you, you got to call me this, or for favor. No, no, no. He wants the people to know, listen, what I'm about to tell you comes from the authority of God himself comes from the authority of God himself. It comes from the authority of God himself. I keep saying that because what we are going to be reading does not come from Paul's own words. They come from the authority of God himself. So 
he begins by saying the following. Look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from these, this present evil age, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace. Everybody say that with me. Grace and peace. Do you know that this was Paul's regular greeting? Actually, the reason why he's using grace and peace is because he's actually using two words that were very common. One in Greek culture, which was grace, and one in Jewish culture, which was peace. They would always greet each other by giving grace or greet each other by saying, Shalom, peace be with you. And what is Paul doing, church? He's bridging the two. Isn't that awesome? That we're no longer one separate, but now we are two. As a matter of fact, he does this five other times. Paul uses the word grace a hundred, more than a hundred times in his writings. Why is that a big deal? Because every other author only used it around 55 times. See, Paul is known as the apostle of grace. And church, don't we in 2022, don't we still need more grace and peace? Don't we still need more grace and peace? He says, who gave himself for our sins. Who's he talking about? Talk to me. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Now, Paul briefly explains the work of the Lord. The Lord, son, uh, the Lord, son, Jesus Christ. And he writes this about Jesus. He says, he gave himself for our sins. See, church, throughout the book of Galatia, you're going to notice that Paul centralizes his message on the cross over and over again. It is all about what Jesus has done for our lives. What did Jesus do? He gave. Now we know in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus gave us the greatest thing anyone could ever, who could ever give in the history of giving. What did Jesus do? He gave himself for us. He gave himself for our sins. This is the basic principles of the gospel. Our sins. Jesus gave himself for our sins. And to God be the glory for that. He gave himself for our sins. And our sins put us on the road to ruin and destruction. But Jesus gave himself for us. Listen, if God had not done something, we would simply be destroyed. But out of love... Jesus gave himself for us. Praise be to God. Amen. So these words, who gave himself for our sins, church, they're so important to the greeting of the letter of Paul. See, Paul wanted right off the bat. People, regions, churches of Galatia, you got to understand that the atonement or the payment for our sins for perfect righteousness is not to be looked for anywhere else. Stop looking for any way to pay your own salvation, any way to gain your own righteousness. Stop looking everywhere else. You only have to fix your eyes on Jesus, on Jesus and what he has done for every single one of us. 
that he might deliver us from this present evil age. And I love that Paul uses the word present because that means that the same God that delivered them from their present evil during that year is the same God that can still deliver us from our present evil today. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now he continues on and says, according to the will of God, our father, to, to whom be glory forever and ever. See, the purpose of this saving work, church, is, is, is yes, it, it benefited us. Yes, it brought salvation to our soul. Yes, praise be to the Lord. But you know what? The primary purpose is to always bring glory and honor to our heavenly father. Church. False doctrine was a problem and it was real, a real problem in the churches of Galatia. And these false doctrines, they robbed God from receiving all the glory and all of the honor. And we'll see why. So what does Paul do? He hears of what's happening in Galatia. He gets his megaphone, in his case, a pen and paper, and he writes this letter. And it begins by saying, Paul, an apostle. I want to make sure that you understand that it is the authority of Christ of which I am writing to you. It is not my own words. It's not my own doing. Let me grab my megaphone and let me scream out what God is speaking and wanting to tell you today. Now, church, there were false doctrines in 50 AD or whenever this letter was written. And church, there are many more false doctrines today in 2022 yes they are yes they are there are so much more for us especially nowadays in the years of social media and what we call used to be called youtubers but now we call them influencers now as a matter of fact even people of government has tapped in into this influencers who have millions of followers did you know that and they're talking to these influencers so that they'll be able to influence and, and change history. So many false doctrines that you and I can fall into. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. So here's a mega mo megaphone moment. Paul is ready. He greeted them. He already said what he had to say. Hello, hello. I'm, I'm glad that you, you're welcome, welcome, you know. And then he said, I'm ready for you. And he grabbed his megaphone and look at verse 6. So I just want you to picture these letters where, 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 where when Paul wrote them, people would make copies and, and they were delivered them to the churches or people travel with the same one. I don't know exactly but you just imagine how someone is opening the scroll and beginning to read, beginning to read the greeting uh, of, of Paul and, and saying grace and peace to you from God our fathers and, and their hearts are, 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 are moved by his words. But then we get to the real meat of even chapter one, not even six verses or five verses in six verses into it. And he gets right to the point. Look at verse six. It says, I marvel that you are turning away, help me out, so soon from him who called you into, in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. A different gospel. So let me read it again. 
I marvel, this is Paul speaking, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. See, Paul was amazed and marvel, not so much that they were turning away, but he was amazed of how soon they were turning away. He had just, they had just received the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're already turning away from it so soon. And by the way, church, they were turning away from a person, from him who has called you. His name is Jesus. And what were they turning into? Uh, they were turning to a false idea, a different gospel. Church, I want you to write this down or just mentally keep it. To turn away from the true gospel is always to turn away from the person of Jesus Christ. We are always turning away. When you turn away from the real gospel, the true gospel, you're turning away not from an idea. You're turning away from Jesus Christ himself. Verse 7 says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. All right, let's, let's, let's break this down because there's actually three facts about this different gospel that was being brought to the Galatian region during Paul's time. Number one, this false doctrine, this false gospel, it is an illegitimate gospel. It says, which is not another. See, Paul recognized that this is a different gospel. And it was not really a gospel at all. It was just simply promoted in a different way. So people in that time were saying, you know what? Let's just, let's just agree to disagree. We have our ideas. Paul has his ideas. We have our truth. And Paul has his truth. We, we have our gospel and he has theirs. No, no, no. Paul rejected the idea that there could not be two gospels. There's only one gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. See, the word gospel means good news. That's what the word means. And Paul is saying, listen, in everything else that you hear that is against our good news is completely false. It's completely false. It is absolute. There's absolutely no good news in anything else that omits Jesus Christ from the picture. There's nothing else. So second, this new or another gospel, it, it was not good because it simply brought trouble. It says, who troubles you? See, those who brought the other gospel to the Galatian, Galatian people or that region just simply brought trouble. False gospels don't just happen. People bring them, and the people who bring them may be sincere and have a lot of charisma and be good speakers and good presenters and point to and, 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 and bring you books and magazines and reports and, and data charts and all of these things, and they sound really well. But let me tell you something. Heretics do not advertise their errors. Murderers, adulterers, thieves, what do they do? They all disguise themselves. And so does the devil. He masquerades all of these devices and activities. He simply hides. He hides the truth. Be careful, church, that we are not fooled by a wrong gospel, by another. Be careful, that we are not fooled. Do you hear this megaphone moments that Paul is speaking? 
Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what you are watching. Be careful who is influencing you. Be careful who are you listening and watching. Be careful who you are following. Be careful. That's what Paul is saying. He grabbed his megaphone and saying, region of Galatia, be careful because you are turning away so soon from the gospel that I brought to you. So soon. Let me tell you something. Any gospel that makes you just simply feel good for whatever sin you're doing is a wrong gospel. Any gospel that tries to justify what you are doing, know that you know that is wrong, but if you're simply justifying it is a wrong gospel. Because the true gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the truth. And guess what? It challenges you. It challenges you in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Be careful because any false gospel, any other gospel is illegitimate. Any other gospel brings trouble. And any other gospel brings distortion to the true gospel. It says that they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, the other gospel is just simply a distortion of the true gospel of Jesus. It didn't start from nothing. But he uses names and he uses some familiar ideas that they were used to by what they heard from Paul. And what happens? They, they just simply twist it just a little bit. They just twist it just some more. And there's something about that message of the true gospel that, you know what? It is really, it is truly challenged. It challenges our way of life and thinking. The true gospel of Jesus Christ truly challenges us doesn't it let, let me give you some examples first peter for, excuse me first corinthians 15 this is paul stating exactly what the true gospel is this is first corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 it says now brothers and sisters i want to remind you of the gospel i preached to you it's good church to be reminded of the gospel isn't it i i think sometimes we just got to know exactly what the true gospel of jesus christ is is so that we can compare it and say, wait a minute, that is completely against what I believe. So this is what Paul is saying. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your, help me out, taken your stand. How many of you here have taken the stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ? All right. Well, the question is, do you know what the real gospel is? So here it is. Verse 2, by this gospel, you are saved. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But the question is, do you know what the real gospel is? And parents, by the way, it is our job to teach our children the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if not, guess what? They're going to hear something different. They're going to hear something different. That all of a sudden, the gospel allows such and such sin because we should love everyone. No, 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 no. The gospel is very clear of what sin is and what, what we should do with those situations. It says, by which the gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in what? Vain. So if you don't take a hold of this gospel, if you don't stand upon it, if you don't believe it, or if you don't, you don't, you don't act upon it, you're just simply wasting your time. So, Paul is challenging the, the, the church of Corinthians. But now I'm challenging you, the church of Emmanuel, church of this area, church of this region. I'm challenging you. Do you have you stand, have you stood firm on the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Well, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, here it is. Verse 3. For what I received, what does he say? I pass on to you. See, this is not even my own. I'm giving it to you. I, I pass on to you as a first importance. Here it is. Are you ready? Here's the gospel. Here's the real true gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That's the first basic fact of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Somebody said, thank you, Lord. So that Christ died for our sins. All right. Not only did he die for our sins, but what does it say? Verse 4, that he too was what? Buried. So he died for our sins. He was buried. That he was, but not only was he buried, but what is the third part of the gospel? That he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So our salvation was purchased, was bought, was paid for by Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, being buried for three days. But on the third day, he rose with all the glory and the power in his mind and everything that That, that was promised and, and, and spoken about was fulfilled that very day. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So that's the true gospel, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he was buried, but he rose from the grave on the third day. Did anyone hear your name in the plan of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did you and I have anything to do with it? No, we did not. Uh, we didn't do anything. It, it Nothing. We are not saved by our own works. We are only saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross, period. Hey, you, you, are you listening here this morning? We didn't die. We didn't, be, we weren't buried. We weren't, we didn't, we, you know, came back to life. No, we just simply accept that beautiful gift of salvation because of what he did. So see, the message of the gospel is what Jesus did on the cross. And guess what? It is revealed to, through Scripture, through the Old Testament, through the New, and it is proven by the moment, the, the greatest moment in history, which was the day that Christ resurrected from the grave, which we're about to celebrate here in the coming month. Now, when we understand that this gospel, it is, it, it, man, it challenges us. It challenges us. It, 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 it almost almost offends us in, in some certain ways. I, I want to explain to you because the gospel, you know what it does? It challenges. And when it challenges us, that's why people don't like it because it offends part of their beliefs. It offends part of what they're thinking. So guess what they want to do? They want to change it. They want to twist it. They want to pervert it. And so here's what happens. The gospel truly offends our pride. Uh, here's why. Because he tells us, that we need a savior and that we cannot save ourselves. It gives us no credit for our own salvation. It is all by the work of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. It is all by the work. Come on, give him praise if you're going to give him in this house. Uh, again, these are megaphone moments and, 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 and the truth. It, it, it is, it, you got to just, let's take it in here this morning. Because the gospel truly offends our wisdom. It saves us from something many consider to be foolish. 
many consider to be foolish. God becoming man and dying and humiliating this grateful death on our behalf. Do you know that there's still people who believe that there is not a heaven and that there's not a hell? This is a foolish thing, so it offends our wisdom. How could this really be? See, the gospel, it is upfront and it is challenging. The true gospel. And so what do people want to do? No, I don't like that. Let me change it. Oh, I don't like that. Let, let, let me just twist it just a little bit. Because I wanted it to feel, make me feel good. No, the gospel is to set you free. Not to just give you goosebumps. It's to raise you from your own death. Your own, to be save you from your own sins and transgressions. See, the gospel really offends our knowledge. It tells us to believe in something which is a, it goes against scientific knowledge and personal experience. How can a dead man, Jesus Christ, rise or rose from the dead to a glorious new body that will never die again? How does that happen? Because he is God. Amen? Because he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is our heavenly Father. So see, church. A false doctrine, a false doctrine focuses on what I do and what I've done. See, I'm going to receive salvation because of what I've done. That's what a false gospel says. It is all about me. It is how well I behave, how good I give to others. How well have you noticed what I've done? Have you seen how much uh, I've done this and done that? Have you seen how much I give? It's all about me. But no, no. The real, true gospel of Jesus Christ focuses on what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary. It moves us from focusing on us and focusing on our God. Here's what John Five says you didn't diligently study the scriptures because you think that by that by them you possess eternal life. In other words, you just simply get knowledge. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It is not by works that anyone should boast. But it is by everything that Jesus Christ has done. So listen, church. Megaphone moment. It's a warning. If you ever hear any influencer, any preacher, anyone said that it is by your works that you are saved, that's a false doctrine. It has nothing to do with what you and I can do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary. He came, he died, he was buried, but he rose again from the grave for all of our victory and all of our triumphs. Somebody say, praise the Lord. See, a false gospel focuses on getting God's approval. What, what, what can I do to, 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 to be on his good list? What, what can I do? Uh, you know, do you, no, 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 no. A true gospel focuses on simply receiving God's love. You know how many times I've spoken to people and I said, are you ready to accept Jesus Christ? And what do they say? Well, I've got to fix my life first. In other words, let me, let me, let, let me be presentable. Let, let, let me find God's approval. No, you come as you are. 
Because you cannot do anything to just simply come and God said, all right, let me let, let me ignore what my son did on the cross and, and, and let me approve your good behavior and what you've done. No, again, it's not about us. It's about what God has already done, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that even while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. You don't have to wait to get all the bells and whistles and look nice and be out of whatever it is. No, you simply come as you are and said, here I am. Forgive me. Forgive me. You don't have to win God's approval. See, I don't know about you, but that kind of just lifts the weight of salvation off of me. Because I am a sinner. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And that takes the weight off. Because now I know that what I need to do is accept that free gift of salvation and live righteously according to his will and his purpose. And he will take care of everything else. Oh, amen to that. First John 4.19 says this, We love because he first loved us. Amen to that. Again, a false gospel focuses on what I do, but the true gospel focuses on what Jesus has already done. A false gospel focuses on getting God's approval, but the real true gospel focuses on just receiving God's love. And third, final point. See, a true gospel, the false gospel, I should say, focuses on external duty. What what? What is it on my outward appearance that I can do to fake it till I make it? But you know what? A true gospel is an internal desire. Because let me tell you something, church. We can outwardly play church. We can outwardly worship the Lord. We can outwardly look like a Christian. We can outwardly say that we love Jesus. But we could be verily easily dying in our sins inside of our hearts so we cannot just simply focus on this and how well you look and how good you present yourself and how well you play and sing or preach or lift your hands or or, or love others no it has to be the desire of your heart to love the lord because a true change happens from the inside out Everything that we see on the outside should be the fruit of what is happening on the inside. Everything that we see on the outside should be the result of what God is doing on the inside. So, so, so if you are just simply focusing on the outward part, you're missing the real gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he comes into your heart and makes the change. He doesn't just say, well, make sure that, you know, no, it's not out here. I was going to say something, but then I'm going to get more emails. So I'm not specifically going to say anything. Listen, church, it's all about our inward being. What is happening in here? I had my conversation with my 11, soon to be 12 years old. He's going to be graduating from going into kids world into coming into the uh, uh, worship experience here. 
He's going to be a seventh grader next year. And I said, son, listen, I'm excited that you're going to be a part of our service because you're going to be surrounded with worship. Because I want them to know that worship is not just simply, you know, what they are doing in there is beautiful and it's kid friendly and I love it. But I want him now that he's turning 12 to begin to experience what it is to lift our hands and to and to sing the songs corporately and what it is to listen to the message. And you can tell that he was a little uneasy because, you know, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. All of his life, all of his known as kids were. But now coming into here, it's a totally different world. It is a totally different role. Now, as much as we pastors try to be funny and to use some sort of props and things like that or some video and things, it's very different. But our kids need it. Our junior hires need it. That's why I keep saying you got to bring your junior hires needed. And even if they're here and they're, you know, one ear listening, one ear somewhere else, hey, they're listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that seed is being planted into them. And I can tell that he was a little uneasy. But then I said, son, see, it is all a matter of your heart. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Because all of the lessons and everything that you've learned is information that you have it in your mind. And you can, you can quote the books. You can tell me all of the books of the Bible. You can tell me all the disciples. You can tell me every parable that Jesus Christ did. But if you do not fall in love with Jesus in your heart then it's all in vain. The true gospel focuses on the entire internal desire. Here's what 1 John 5, 3 and verse 12 says. This love, this is love for God to obey his commandments. And his commandments are not, help me out, they are not what, church? They are not burdensome. Skip to verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. Megaphone moment. Whatever you're listening to as the band comes up, whatever you're listening to out there, Galatians, whatever it is that you're listening to out there, you got to compare it to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it has always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. And it will forever be about Jesus and not about you and me. It's not by what you have done. Oh, but you have seen me, seen me how much I help. Great. Praise God. But are you helping from your heart or are you just doing it for a medal? Are you just simply doing it for recognition? No. Focus on what God has done. See, the title of today's message was live in the tree of life. Two gospels. So the question I have for you as we close today, do you want to live in that tree of life? Do you want to follow the true gospel? Well, accept the good news of Jesus Christ. How? How, pastor? How do I accept it? Well, I mentioned it earlier, but just simply fall in love with Jesus. That's it. Just fall in love with Jesus. Anyone who's fallen in love with the Lord, listen, everything else just, just seems. I'm not going to waste my time on any of that. I'm so in love with my creator. I'm so in love with my savior. I don't have time for quarrels. I don't have time for arguments. I don't have time for disagreements. I don't have time for any of those things. Why? Because I'm so focused and in love with my Jesus. First John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, 
you will obey what I command. As simple as that. If you love me, then you will obey my commands. And his commandment is love the Lord with all your heart and love one another as you love yourself. It's as simple as that, church. Sometimes we make Christianity so difficult. But he makes it so simple. Fall in love with Jesus. Megaphone moment. Don't allow condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't allow condemnation. And number three, my final point, which is the, the, the theme of this series of this book, is that every day make the choice to follow him. Choose freedom every day. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And what does he say? Now choose life. Come on, let's all say it together. Now choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Megaphone moment choose life so you can just imagine Paul with his megaphone greeting each other peace and grace be with you okay I gotta get to the point whatever you're listening to it's false it's wrong it's bringing you trouble it is illegitimate it's false it's not real it's 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 actually twisting and perverting the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Be careful. Be careful. So this is what Paul is telling them, church. Now I, as one of your pastors, I'll pick up my megaphone and I'll speak the same. And I said, be careful who you are listening to. Be careful what you are reading. Be careful what you are watching. Because anyone can sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as soon as they remove the work that Jesus did on the cross and puts you on the pedestal, that is a false gospel. Be careful. Be careful. Run away from it. Fall in love with Jesus enough that you know what the real gospel is. That Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He was buried for your sins and my sins. But you know what? On the third day, he rose with all his glory and all his victory. Be careful, church, that you are not deceived. Be careful that you're not influencing others the wrong way. Because by the way, Paul makes it clear. Let me finish with verse 8 through 12. It says, but even if we, even if I, or any angel from heaven. <laughs> Check this out. But even if we, verse 8, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you that we have not preached to you, let him be what, church? Let him be accursed. Are you listening, church? It says, as we, lay, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have, than you have received, let him be accursed. For do I not persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I still please, for if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. 
But I make you make verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor it was I was was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Period. Let's all stand to our feet. Now we didn't get a chance to read the entire chapter. That's going to be your homework. Oh, on spring break? Yeah, it's going to be homework spring break. I want you to read the last verses. And go ahead and start reading chapter 2. It's going to be a great one. See, Paul's whole point in the second part of chapter 1 is very important. See, his gospel was true and his experiences were valid because they really came from God. I want to say the same thing to all of us here. The gospel that you hold, if you believe that Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that gospel that you're standing on and your personal experiences with the Lord, those are real and those are important. And I want you to listen as I conclude and finish. It is fair, those of you watching, it is fair for every Christian to ask if their gospel comes from God or if they made it up themselves because let me tell you anytime the gospel can be challenging right off the bat real quick we want to twist it and change it oh but that's not really what he said do you remember what happened in the garden from the very beginning what did the snake or that animal came and told Eve what did she what did he said did God really say that and that challenges us right away the questions are very important because only what comes from God can really save you and I and make a lasting difference in our lives. Father, we know that there are many, many wolves out there dressed like sheep. They're out there, Father. They're, 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 they're sweet-spoken. They are good friends. They are good family members. But Father, they really do not bring the true gospel of salvation. They, they, they keep saying it's all about what we do. They keep saying it's all about our attitude. It's all about our energy. It's all about making us feel good and better. It's all about what our hearts desire. But the scripture clearly says that the most deceiving part of our lives is our own very heart Lord so we cannot trust anything in our lives we got to depend on you we got to trust in you because it's all of what you've done on the cross in Jesus name Father I pray that you will protect our ears I pray that you will protect our eyes I pray that you will protect our lips that we will never ever ever let go of the true gospel but instead Father, that we will continue holding on, holding on in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together.